We enjoyed a wonderful period this afternoon at 4.30, honoring our seniors. Appreciate all those who had a hand in putting that together and hope our seniors felt honored and encouraged. And, and there were few tears shed, just a few, uh, but everything went just very, very well. And uh, I told Noah after it was over, I, I tried, preacher, you got to count. Uh, I counted about 76 that were there, and I think about three or four more came in later. So we'll say 400. Um, no, I, I, seriously, I think we're at about 80 that, that were there. And uh, appreciate everyone who, who came and encouraged our seniors. And, and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful time. Looking forward to some things coming up in the near future. Mission Monday tomorrow night. I mean, a great number for that. Uh, our marriage... These, these pieces of paper that are all over the auditorium, you're going, they just leave trash everywhere. They're registration QR codes for the marriage seminar. That's what they are. So if you haven't registered yet, how about this? Get your phone out, walk over to one of these things, and go ahead and register while I'm preaching. It's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll only call you out by name. But we, we really want people to register. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful weekend, a wonderful day on the 20th, which is now less than two weeks away. And uh, so we we looking forward to that. A lot of things upcoming. Busy congregation, but very encouraging things, and hope we're here for for all of those things. We teach it to our children pretty much from the time they they can understand much of anything. Hopefully, it's something that whether we actually pray specifically this, hopefully in at least some general way, we we pray that we'll live it out. When we stop and think about it and discuss it, sometimes we will say that. If the world would just utilize it, the world would be a very different place immediately. Most commonly, it's called the golden rule. As Jesus came near the end of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, He gave that great, great teaching. Some have nicknamed it the Everest of Ethics because it stands as the highest ethical principle that's imaginable. And I want us to think about it tonight, of course, for all of us, but as we're honoring our seniors this afternoon, I wanted to preach something that hopefully will encourage them as well in a specific way, but this is obviously for all of us. The golden rule, the Everest of ethics, is the highest of all ethical teachings. It is a simply worded statement that would literally transform the world if it were followed. And you may have heard this before, and it's true, that others had said similar things before Jesus gave what we know as the golden rule. Confucius, for example, the Chinese philosopher, had said, do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. There were Jews, rabbis, who before the time of Christ had a very similar teaching. The Talmud, for example, said, what is hateful to you, do not to your fellow man. There was a Jewish apocryphal book that in chapter 4 and verse 15 said, and what you hate, do not do to anyone. Other religions, Buddhism, Jainism among them, have similar t teachings, but did you notice a major difference in those quotations and what Jesus said? All those teachings, Confucius, the Jewish rabbis, that apocryphal book, deal with, doing, with not doing excuse me, to others what you would not want done to you. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, Jesus gives a statement that stands far above any of those. It is the ultimate in training our heart to be proactive in good works. But Jesus gives a statement 
that is the ultimate in an ethical principle and in good works. It is the foundation of ethical teaching. Most of us, if we can't quote it, can at least get really close. Because it's so familiar, I want you to hear it back to back to back to back from four different translations. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Treat other people exactly as you would like to be treated by them. This is the essence of all true religion. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Well, each of those four readings is similar. I wanted you just to hear them back to back to back to back to get a full picture and an idea of what Christ had in mind when He gave that great teaching. In 1976, J. Noel Meredith wrote an article for the Gospel Advocate, the September 9th issue. And part of that article dealt with the Golden Rule. I want to read, with you, read to you a paragraph that he wrote as he spoke about the Golden Rule. He said, The Golden Rule is the great Christian rule of life. This principle is the capstone of human relations, the topmost peak of social ethics, the Everest of all ethical teaching. It is possible to find negative statements similar to this by famous Jewish teachers, but no one but Jesus ever put it in its positive form. Jesus' statement of action is positive. He taught that the essence of righteousness is the constructive doing of good, not just the negative avoidance of doing harm. Jesus' principle deals with treating men with kindness. It is the kind of compassion and mercy shown by the Good Samaritan who helped the wounded man in Luke 10. The principle is that of rendering justice, mercy, and love to all men as prescribed by the law. The Emperor Severus inscribed the golden rule on his palace and highly respected its content. We should inscribe it on our hearts and practice it in our lives." End quote. Since this is a very important teaching, I want us to think about this one verse tonight for a few moments. And there are a lot of things we can note, but I want us to simply consider three thoughts about the Golden Rule, the Everest of Ethics. We're going to give them all a, an alliterated thing, but they're going to come with its worth, its value, and its production. That's the basis of it. Some, by the way, over the years, have made fun of the Golden Rule. George Bernard Shaw said, do not do unto others as you would expect they should do to you. Their tastes may not be the same. But someone responded to that and said the golden rule might still express the essence of universal morality even if no two men in the world had any needs or tastes in common. That writer is correct. I want us to think about three principles about this great principle tonight, this great teaching tonight. First of all, the golden rule is a priceless principle. Even within the wording of Matthew 7.12 itself, we, when you hear what Jesus says, the end of that verse really gives us the fact that it's priceless. When He said, according to some translations, this is the law and the prophets. We might say that the golden rule is the rule to end all rules. Or it is the rule that summarizes all other rules. What makes it a priceless principle though, is that if followed, it would solve basically all problems. Think about what the Apostle Paul said. In Romans 13 and verse 10, Paul said, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. 
Therefore, love is the fulfilling, or some translations have fulfillment, of the law. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And sometimes we quote or read that verse, we often go on and say that Jesus took it a step further by going to the cross for us. He showed or lived what He taught. When we are willing to sacrifice even our own lives, that's when we're following the golden rule. You know, even some who are not Christians really in any form whatsoever have seen that there is great, great value in this teaching from Jesus. Robert Milliken listed the golden rule as the first among those ideas. He said that, quote, stand out above all others in the influence they have exerted upon and are destined to exert upon the development of the human race. That quotation does not come from religious periodical. It comes from Forbes magazine. But what truly makes that principle priceless is to the Christian is that we have seen it lived out in the one who gave it. Jesus did not just give this great ethical teaching and then go live however He wanted to. He lived the Everest of ethics. Think about those two verses that are referenced on the screens. Romans 13.10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Jesus never did anything wrong to anyone. And yes, sometimes Jesus said some things that might have seemed a bit harsh or hard, but they were always done from a heart of love, a heart of compassion, and trying to win people to the lost. The golden rule then, when we try to live it out, is not expressing some type of false humility where we just let people run over us. That's not it. It seeks the ultimate good of the other person. And love does no wrong to that person. And then think about the words of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this. And He laid down His life for His friends. He didn't just live that one out. Jesus took it a step further. Because what does Paul remind us in the book of Romans? Even while we were His enemies, not His friends, His enemies, He died for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. If He can do that for those who hated Him, can we not then lay down our life and make sacrifices for those who we do love or seek to love? and those we do care for and seek to care for. This teaching would make the world a better place because it would help us see the worth of every soul. And since every soul is priceless, we should treat each other person as if that other person is priceless, because they are. When we put others first, that makes it a priceless principle. And Jesus shows us that. But it is also a preventative principle. And this is usually the teaching we give. We try to instill the golden rule into our children, our grandchildren, young people in Bible class or vacation Bible school. The golden rule as well as principles, we sometimes tell them to keep you out of a lot of trouble. And that's certainly true. And especially trouble in, in relationships and dealing with people. And the reason it prevents so much difficulty is it actually causes us to stop for a moment before we make a decision or before we make a hasty action and simply ask the question, how would I want to be treated if I were in that situation? And you can see how that one simply asked question would have made a world of difference in all sorts of places. It would make a difference in our homes. Husbands, why should you call or text your wife and you're running a few minutes late from work or being held up at a meeting? Because you would want to know. 
why your spouse is late. Why, is, why should you ask for and show concern for your husband's work day, even if, if you've had a difficult day, because you want someone to show concern for, for your day. Parents, why should you discipline your children and direct them in the ways of God? Because you know that's what's ultimately best, because you see the longer picture, and you know that that training needs to happen. Just think of how many difficult situations in Scripture could have been completely avoided if someone had simply asked this one question and had this principle. Just revisit in your mind the story of David and Bathsheba. Do you think David would have liked to have been taken from his marriage and basically forced her into a relationship with someone he barely knew? Back up even farther. Do you think he would have liked to have someone spying on him in private? Do you think he would have liked to have been the soldiers out in the field without their king in the field like he was supposed to be? Can you even imagine how much different the life, the young life of Joseph would have been if his brothers had followed the golden rule? Now, admittedly, Joseph needed probably a little dose of it too, not telling his brothers his dreams all the time. But be that as it may, do we really think any of the brothers would have liked to have been thrown to a pit, sold to slavery, and not cared about? Think about how different the life of John the Baptist, John the Mercer would have been if the king had followed the golden rule. Herod made that hasty promise, something that one who's following the golden rule wouldn't have made in the first place. But even if he had made that mistake, he still could have stopped it and said, I don't want to be the one to take someone's life or have someone's life taken and embarrass someone that way and obviously kill someone that way. Think about even how Esther becomes the queen. A king decides to exploit his wife, Vashti. He certainly wouldn't want to be exploited in that way. And then when she refuses to be exploited, he simply doesn't think of her again, removes her from being queen. Would he want to be removed from his position of power for standing up for a conviction? Of course not. And we could go on and on and on through Scripture, as you know. But if these individuals had just simply stopped for a moment and thought about the other person, what would I want? What would be the best here? So much grief, heartache, and in some cases even death could have been prevented, at least in the ways in which people were killed or lives taken. When we take a moment before making a snap decision or saying a difficult word, and we think about what would it be like to be on the receiving end? What would it be like to be the one who's talked about, who has this done to him or not done to, him, to her? It would revolutionize every relationship we have. And it will also keep us from a multitude of sins, ultimately against God, but also against other people. And this principle is also a productive principle. Now, you may think, yeah, Adam just pulled one verse out of the Bible and is preaching out of context. In some ways, we, we've done that to the beginning. But I want us to think about this verse in context. Because you remember, it begins with, therefore. It's, it's, a, it's a flow verse. Because Jesus is giving a sermon, but in what, the beginning of what we know is chapter 7, He's speaking of judging others. Some people said that everybody's favorite Bible verse is, is Matthew 7, 1, right? Judge not. That's, you know, that's all Jesus ever taught in the entire world. But that's how Jesus begins this entire chapter. We're told by the words of Christ and other teaching in the New Testament to be careful in judging. We remember that when we judge, we'll be judged by the same level. And then Christ turns in the sermon to the concept of the way that God gives. We're told that, for example, if our child asks for something, we're not, we're not going to give him something that's different and dangerous. And then with that in mind, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask Him? And then He gives the therefore, or the so, depending on the translation you have. Based upon several concepts. One, judging properly. Two, giving like God, or trying to give like God. Upon those, the golden rule then is built. Listen to the words of one scholar. The person who practices this rule refuses to say or do anything that would harm himself or others. If our judging others is not governed by this principle, we will become proud and critical, and our own spiritual character will degenerate. Practicing the golden rule releases the love of God in our lives and enables us to help others, even those who want to hurt us. Do you see the connection in the flow of that sermon? This principle is productive because it leads us to act with the proper motive in mind. And that that means at least two things. First, it means we will actually act or speak if that's the case. We won't sit back and just be idle because the love found within us and found within the golden rule leads us to speak or to act. But more to our point, we won't just be speaking or acting out of duty. We won't be doing something just to be doing something. We will take more stock of not just the actions, not just the words, but the motives behind them. Love and a desire to see someone come to Christ, to see someone know more of Christ, to see someone love Christ himself or herself will motivate us to help someone or simply to reach out to someone and do what is ultimately best for that individual. Remember that Paul would later teach in Titus 2.14 that we are to be zealous unto good works, or zealous unto good works. When you're the one who sins, don't you want someone to lovingly correct you? Don't you want someone to care enough to reach out and help you turn from that sin and give you godly wisdom? Then do that for someone else. Be zealous for that good work. When you're hurting or discouraged or down, Don't you want someone to notice that and to share a word of kindness or to do something to to help lift your spirits? Then be zealous to do that for someone else. When you're having a moment of triumph and joy, don't you want someone to notice not just to put you on a pedestal, but to simply say, I see what you've done and I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for what you've done. Instead of showing jealousy or envy, saying, I'm so glad that you're able to enjoy this in life. Then be zealous to do that for someone else. Now, think of the productivity of following that principle just beyond helping someone someone who's hurting. Think of what would happen if every employer treated those working for him or her in, in the way they would want to be treated if they were the ones down the org chart. Flip it over. Think of the changes in our workplaces If employees treated the boss, the CEO, the the president, the the chairman of the board with the kind of respect they would want if they were at the top of the work chart. Think of how all of the sick and all the hospitals and nursing homes and other facilities would be treated if every worker in those fields treated patients and families as they would want to be treated if they were the one who was sick or the one whose loved one was ill. Think of how many marriages would stay together If every spouse just thought, how would I want to be treated in this situation? Think of how easy, how much easier it would be to serve as an elder. If members all uh, treated each other as they would want to be treated. Instead of squabbling over every little issue. 
on a grand, grand, grand scale. Think of how few wars, if any, would ever be fought if nations treated other nations the way they would like. Think of all the sins that would be eliminated if this principle were simply lived out by all people. Basically, it's all of them. Because I would not want to hurt anyone with sin. It is a productive principle because it heals every relationship when lived out. A businessman in New York once dropped a dollar into the cup of a man who was selling pencils. And then the businessman just hurriedly stepped onto a subway. But then on second thought, the businessman got back off the subway for a moment, walked over to that man, and took several pencils from the cup instead of just leaving a dollar. And he explained, I was just in a hurry, and I'm sorry I didn't pick the things up, and he hoped he wouldn't be upset with him. And then he said to the, to the beggar, he said, after all, you are a businessman just like myself. You have merchandise to sell, and it's fairly priced. And then he caught the subway. A few months later at a social function, a very neatly dressed salesman stepped up to the businessman and introduced himself. And he said this, you probably don't remember me, and frankly, I don't know your name, but I will never forget you. You are the man who gave me back my self-respect. You see, I was a beggar selling pencils until you came along and said, you're a businessman. Do you see why this principle is called the Everest of Ethics? It is the most proactive, loving principle that could, we could ever give in any human relationship. The reason I want to preach this tonight as we think about our seniors is this is how to make it through anything in life. How would I want to be treated if I were the boss, if I were the professor, if I were the parent, if I were the teacher, if I were the police officer, if I were the one in charge? How would I want to be treated? It is placing others before self. It is desiring the other's greatest good. When we live that way, our world would be just fine. But sadly, we don't. I want to read something to you from a Scottish writer. And he, he notes at the beginning of this that the negative versions that, of the golden rule that were there before Christ. And he tried to contrast it with how amazing life would be if we would just do what Jesus said. He wrote this. It is perfectly possible for a man of the world to observe the negative form of the golden rule. He could, without very serious difficulty, so discipline his life that he would not do to others what he did not wish them to do to him. But the only man who can even begin to satisfy the positive form of the rule is the man who has the love of Christ within his heart. He will try to forgive as he would wish to be forgiven. To help as he would wish to be helped. To praise as he would wish to be praised. To understand as he would wish to be understood. He will never seek to avoid doing things. He will always look for things to do. Clearly, and I love this part, clearly this will make life much more complicated. Clearly, he will have much less time to spend on his own desires and his own activities. For time and time again, he will have to stop what he is doing to help someone else. It will be a principle which will dominate his life at home, in the factory, on the bus, in the office, in the street, 
on the train, at his games, in fact, everywhere. He can never do it until, his, until self withers and dies within his heart. To obey this commandment, a man must become a new man with a new center to his life. And if the world was composed of people who sought to obey this rule, it would be a new world. To that, all I can say is he's exactly right. But here's the thing. It has to be true of all of us. We have seen it lived out. We are the ones who can live the golden rule, the Everest of ethics. And the only reason we can is we have seen that it can be done. Because the one who gave the teaching did not just live it out. He took it to the ultimate extent. He lived it out perfectly, even to people who never deserved it. If he could do that for me, then can, then can I not do it for those around me? My family, my Christian family, my neighbors, those I work with, those I go to school with, those I interact with each day, those I have friends with online, as you would, that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. 29,028 feet. That's Everest. If you can reach this principle, you have climbed the Everest of ethics. You've reached the peak. But the only way to do it is to go to a much, much, much less high hill called Calvary and walk with the one who shows us how. Tonight, you need to put your hand in his and let him help you be saved. Let him help you be more faithful. Will you come? We stand and sing to encourage you.